We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? GMAC here with a quick programming note. The episode you're about to hear, as you can tell by your episode description, is the weekly study hall that took place on Twitter Spaces on Tuesday evening. Your host, Sean Hardy, or Sean with a W, and the the phenom, Mr. Chris Persianen, they hosted a Twitter Spaces. Two big announcements. Or not big announcements, but again, programming notes. This is literally what it's called. First of all, we were originally supposed to do an episode with Fred Katz. Um, Fred asked us if we could move to later in the week, so he'll be on Thursday night slash Friday mornings pod. I would advise you all, if you don't have Fred Katz on alerts on Twitter or are subscribed to The Athletic, you will want to read what he has coming out on Wednesday. And that is all I will say. Uh, so Fred Katz, we moved to later in the week. Uh, and then the episode we were going to do uh, also had to be rescheduled because we did try to come up with a backup plan for a Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning pod and some stuff behind the scenes happened and as a result we decided to just make the study hall our episode for tuesday into wednesday so obviously some big news in the knicks land um deuce mcbride in Derek rose and cam reddish out i am sure everybody is reacting rationally to this news uh and the knicks of course have the atlanta hawks coming in on wednesday we'll be on pre and post uh on the YouTube channel and then on your podcast feed uh, afterwards and obviously on YouTube after the game. The other big announcement, I guess, again, programming note. I don't know why I keep saying announcement. I'm leaving all of this in, by the way. Uh, They ran into some technical difficulties on Twitter spaces, so it abruptly cuts off at the very end. You still get about 70 minutes of back and forth and interacting with some of the more loyal people that want to react to the most recent news um so shout out to sean shout out to chris this is a good episode shout out to all of you for listening here is this week's kfs study hall oh man hello what's going on I, you, you really want to know what's going on? Do I? I, I mean, I, it sounds like a yes now. I mean, I, I there's a story to be told. No, basically, so I spent um, the weekend in Vegas, and I am still recovering. <laughs> so I set the space nap, to start. A little nap sitch. Yes. So I was literally just. I was literally just laying in bed watching Portugal dismantle Switzerland 
and it was 350 and i was like all right i'm gonna start this space in 10 minutes and then next thing i knew i looked up and it was 420 i was like oh my goodness um and i saw your text so that's oh, that's good. why we're 40 that's why we're 20 minutes late and we and but whatever and i have a hard stop at in an hour well it's an hour but it's all good uh we're here uh welcome to study hall my name is sean hardy um the i am uh the co-host of this lovely space um usually punctual but not this time but my co-host is here every week and again he i'm always happy i'm always impressed and grateful that he wakes up on saturday mornings to do this show but i'm even more impressed because he did today's show on such short notice so again thank you very much mr chris percy and how are you it's finals week, man. It's uh, it's crazy out here. Um, <laughs> you know when you are like do- willing to do anything if it means not having to do like that one specific piece of work you have. Like you'll you'll clean the whole house so that you don't have to do that one work assignment or whatever. You you, you know like just that like unproductive productivity. That's that's this space for me. Like that I handed in two papers yesterday, two papers the day before that. I have a, I have a podcast to record on Buddhism for a Tibetan religion class, and I, I I have more essays to write. It's just not going down. Um, so I figured, why not? Why not talk some Knicks? Because I'm going to be procrastinating anyway. So I've been there before, so I get it. Sometimes you want, like you want to do everything else. Um, I probably have some work to do myself, but I was like, I'd rather just lay in bed. Um, God, God help me. Um, shout out to everyone that's in here. Um, appreciate you. Um, Ulti Red. I see Pastor Claudio in here. How you doing? Thomas, hello. Ad Roca. Charlie. Charlie Hustle. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Nixon Scars. Good to see you again. Uh, who else we got here? Proletarian PG. Ben Godfrey. Although I... I don't know if you're a real person because you have a don't have a real Abby, but um, but welcome everyone. So first, we'll spend a few minutes uh, discussing the the games, um, and then we'll get into the topic. Um, so uh, there's been a lot. So let's see now. Uh, we they beat the Cavs um, in when they're in what is arguably the best performance of the season. Um, that, that was, which, which, uh, was preceded by arguably their worst, their worst performance, worst half, and definitely their worst third quarter of possibly of the Tom Thibodeau era. I was going to say by point differential, that was the worst quarter of the Thibodeau era, that Dallas third quarter. Yes. Uh, they lost to Dallas 12100. Um, they were booed off the court, uh, which is interesting enough because if you go back and, if you go back on a uh, to league pass and try to watch the game, they cut off the uh, they cut off the broadcast right before they start the boo start raining down. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, and before that, they since we last had a show, since we last had a show, they had they lost to the Grizz. They destroyed the Pistons on Julius Randle's birthday. They lost a heartbreak into the Bucks, and then the two games against the Mavs and the Knicks. So, um, Chris, I'll give you I'll give you five minutes just to tell us what your what uh, give us your thoughts on those on on the games as in in in, in total, um, and then yeah. we'll get and then we'll get into uh, we'll get into today's topic. 
I think uh, the 500 basketball team, even if not right now in actual number, in just construction, as we've talked about, the 500 basketball team, that is the New York Knickerbockers, uh, played some basketball games. And they won some and they lost some, as they do. Um, I, I've been impressed with Julius Randle's offense recently, uh, as has Tom Thibodeau. I don't know if he is pushing this as a means of keeping Randle motivated and involved or what the deal is, but uh, he's been very, very vocal in regards to praising the different ways in which Randle has scored this year. Um, you know, a, a reporter asked him in, in the post-game availability once I saw on YouTube about, uh, about Randle's shot selection really not coming from that deep two anymore. You know, he's kind of eliminated those deep twos. Um, and Thibodeau's talked a lot about also uh, how many buckets he's getting from within the flow of the offense and, and not out of isolation, even if there is still a lot of isolation going on and, and much to the fans' chagrin, um, there is a lot of Randall's buckets are coming in much easier ways, which is uh, what I think a lot of people thought would happen when the team added Jalen Brunson. I know a lot of people did not think that would happen. Um, I think both sides feel like they're right. I feel like the people who uh, thought that it wouldn't happen point to the bad shots that Randall takes and go, see, and the people who thought that would happen point to the really good games he has like against Denver or like against Detroit or even, uh, I don't know, the first quarter of Milwaukee or, uh, the first half of the Dallas game, whatever it is you'd like to refer to. And, and you say, ah, oh, see, see, he is taking better shots. So um, I, I think what you can take away from that is that there's been improvement, maybe not as much as there could be. Um, sorry, taking a sip of water because I'm doing a lot of chatting. Um, as Tom Thibodeau has coached his team through these games, I've not been particularly impressed with his coaching. Um, I think that in games against Portland, when Anthony Simons was the lead ball handler, against Dallas, when Luka Doncic was the lead ball handler, um, these uberly talented guys found ways to easily exploit the Knicks defense, particularly uh, uh, Luka with how he was guarding the corners, uh, how, the, how the Knicks were guarding co the corners schematically, and with Simons, particularly the Knicks drop coverage. He was kind of getting whatever switch he wanted and then doing whatever he wanted to that player. Um, even quickly, he switched on to a couple times quickly, probably the team's best perimeter defender thus far this season. Uh, McBride now going to have enough of a sample size, it seems, and we'll talk about that to put himself in the running. But as of right now, just because he's played the whole season, Grimes only played a couple of games, uh, quickly has been the team's best you know, perimeter like defender for a guard thus far this season and Simons was giving him buckets right over, you know, right over the top of his head, uh, just absolutely feasting on the Knicks scheme and the Knicks coverage. And there was no adjustment. And as there was no adjustment and the same things continued to happen, you watch the players in front of you on the screen, give up on plays and give up on trying to get stops because they knew Luca just had to drive kick to the corner. They were either going to make it or not. In the first half, they didn't make many shots at all. In the second half, they made a lot of shots, and the Knicks did not, and the Knicks lost that game. Um, they blew another double-digit lead. They did it again against Cleveland, but what stuck out to me against Cleveland um, was the defensive backcourt of Deuce McBride and Emmanuel quickly. Now, so someone who I've talked to, um, says that, you know, that's, that's someone who watches a lot of Donovan Mitchell, a lot of Darius Garland, those two guards on Cleveland. Um, 
a Cleveland fan, <laughs> of course, said that that's the most trouble they've seen a backcourt give those two guys all season. And it was McBride and Quickly that they said we're doing it. Um, it seems that the lineup data agrees with this. Quickly and McBride don't play together often, but when they do, it goes really well for the team, especially defensively. Uh, and I've said this many times before, the Knicks are one of the most analytically invested teams in sports. I'm not talking about in basketball. I'm talking about in sports. So uh, th- they've done this before, looked at lineup data, wanted to see something, a different look. Um, uh, from everything I've heard, this was not a Tom Thibodeau, you know, led decision to take Derrick Rose out of the rotation and replace him with Deuce McBride. This was of the same flavor that, the Nerlens Noel swap for Jericho Sims was last season where it kind of leaked out that the front office was who nudged Thibodeau in the direction of that move. Um, well, this time, I, I think it's the exact same situation from what I've heard. Obviously, Thibodeau was not forced to do this. He's the head coach. The you know Leon Rose's trust in him should speak to the fact that he's going to allow his head coach to coach. But uh, I think this is a rotation move that Thibodeau was certainly nudged in uh, the direction of by the front office. And that uh, the reason for that is because the lineup data, you know, was not good for Derrick Rose. It's good for Deuce McBride. After a certain amount of games, you have to do something about that. Um, it's why Evan Fournier is not in your rotation. It's why Derrick Rose is no longer in your rotation. Uh, for all of the criticism that this front office gets um, for signing certain players to certain deals, a lot of the pushback from the Nick fan base has been, well, there are better players on the roster uh, and, and the, the team won't try them out. So how are we supposed to know if they're better or not for real, even though, you know, we think they're better. Uh, well, the Knicks now only have one player in their rotation that is above 26 years old. So out of the nine, one player is above 26. And I think that's really significant. Um, I, th- I think that's significant. And I think that, uh, I just think that fans should, I think Jeremy Cohen put it really well saying that fans should uh, just enjoy this. Um, And to see what these kids can do is kind of what the fans have wanted for a while. Let's, let's see what they can do. Um, As for which kids we're going to see, you know, what they can do. I think there's this notion now from the Nick fan base or at least the Twitter portion of it, that's like, well, why isn't Cam Reddish playing this and this and that? And people are making up all sorts of fan fiction to try and determine why he, he is not playing or, or why McBride is playing and not him. I, I think it's so silly. Um, I, I think for fans to want the team to play young players, for Tom Thibodeau to bench Derrick Rose for a young player, and then to go, oh, well, wait, not that young player. That's not what I. <laughs> that, that's not. That's not what I wanted. Yes, it is. Yes, it is what you want. If you have as big of a problem with this regime as you, you know a lot of people claim to, then your issue should be with them allowing their you know sunken costs to grow. It should be with you know uh, you know keeping Thibodeau around. However. When it comes to Alec Burks, Kemba Walker, Nerlens Noel, Derek Rose, and Evan Fournier, the team cut bait. And I, I don't think with all of that, and, and, and by the way, we've talked about this, the fact that they did all of that so far 
using assets that they acquired for the purpose of doing this. They're not wasting, you know, their draft picks, their second mm-hmm. rounders. Uh, I think to be upset, well, oh, well, that's not the young guy I wanted. I, I wanted Cam to play, not Deuce. Well, okay, well, that sounds well, like a that sounds like a you problem. I feel like that the, the the organization has made a ludicrous amount of changes in the direction that that fans want. Um, yes. So yeah, that that's what I make of the games for the Knicks. I think you know RJ has looked a lot more sound since you know him. Uh, and, and people not liking the lack of criticism he was allegedly not, you know, the, getting uh, it was like the title of the space. Now I think we're already past that. I think RJ's decision making is much better. You'd like to see it manifest itself a little more um, in points, or but I, at least that doesn't seem to be the raw focus anymore. The focus seems to be how can I help my team win this basketball game? If it's scoring twenty points, then let me get that done. If it's not, then let me pass the ball. And I think that's exactly what we were looking for from him. So, you know, I'm seeing a lot of puzzle pieces uh, get put together, at least swapped out for puzzle pieces that fit. I think no matter how good or beautiful the picture on the puzzle pieces is, I think these puzzle pieces all fit. And and the ingredients actually make a recipe now. I, I think it's time to get cooking. So let me do- let's double back to the the decision to bench to bench Derrick Rose for Deuce McBride and then go to a nine man rotation. Um so basically to your point, yes, that is what we have wanted as a fan. We have yelled to play the kids. And now we are playing we are literally playing the kids. And within and within let's see Within less than 18 months after signing all of those veterans to three-year contracts, basically within 18 months, all of them are gone or have been shit-canned. So I know it's not cool to give the front office credit for anything because then you're a company man and, you know, why would you do that? But listen, there are a lot of front offices that stuck with on, on on other teams that are stuck with bad decisions that they've made for not, not perpetuity, but for way, way longer. So I will give them the credit, and especially since, you know, Leon said that uh, not, yeah, Leon said in his uh, conversation with Alan Hahn that Tibbs has autonomy of the, of the roster, that I like the fact that they nudged him. And that I'll give Thibodeau credit for accepting it. Now, some people just want to complain about everything, and they will never be happy. So it's like, well, you you play for the you didn't play for this kid. Like I'll say this, and I see my man um, Chris Barnett, aka Who Spaces, in here. Um, we spent me and Cedric Shine spent all of summer twenty one chatting, arguing, talking, conversing with Hawks fans. And a lot of people in our fan base sound exactly like they did when it comes to Cam Reddish. Exactly like they did. He's Paul George. He's Chase McGrady. He's a superstar in the making. He just needs more time. Da, 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 da. I don't understand. And there was a small subset of them, and I'm still cool with them this day, and they're like, listen, he's not that guy. He's not. Like, we watch him every night. He's not. Um... And then he becomes a Nick, but he's so tantalizing with his talent, and we've all seen it, that, like, 
he just hooks everybody. It just hooks you. He'll just hook certain people. Um, so is it unfortunate that Cam Reddish is out of the rotation? Absolutely. I would like to see the kid play. Is does it mean the sky is falling? No, especially for the read that you gave, Chris, that like under the age of everyone except for one player who we all know who that is, everyone in the rotation is under the age of 26. Like we yelled and screamed from the play of the kids. They're playing the kids. Now, of course, it'll be, well, the kids aren't getting enough minutes, which, I mean, listen, well, OB, OB getting 13 minutes a game is criminal. Um, and, 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 and I saw, Jer- I saw Jeremy, uh, you know, talk about how basically, you know, it's, it's okay to quibble with the front off with the head coach here and stuff like that, but we should at least give them props as people are like, nah, I'm going to quibble anyway. Yes, you can quibble. You can still quibble about Tibbs's, um, Rotations and the substitution patterns and his defensive schemes, which clearly don't work for this team and maybe not in the league, but we should be able to give credit where credit's due. And if you're afraid to give credit where credit's due because you think you're going to look like a company man or you think it looks like a flip-flopper, it's like, no, you're simply just making an observation. Um, so, Chris, the question I have for you is, why do we think that this decision was made? Do we think it's because... Do we think it's really because they want to see what they have with the kids? Or do what they you? believe – say that again? What are you? Or if, or do they have – or do they believe this is the best chance for them to win? Why not both? Because that's not how this front office operates. Why not? <laughs> because they have it. Or if they have – so then – so then, uh, so if you invested in a stock, if you, if every single year, if every single year the universe gave you two tokens, they told you you can use the token to get a stock, and depending on where your token is, you can you can get a more expensive. You see where I'm going with this? I, I'm not going to build this out that far. Well, I'm not, say, well, I'll say this: if you if you invested in a stock with an expensive token. Or, or just even, you know, an early second round token, whatever the hell you want to talk about here, however loose this analogy is going to be. And then you weren't allowed to see what the price of the stock was live. You weren't allowed to see what the market thought of it in a genuine way because the information as to what the company was doing just suddenly went private. Like no one knew what they were developing or up to. And every once in a while, you kind of get a little look-see, and it doesn't look that great. And you're like, oh, well, maybe it's not that bad. Or sometimes you get a look, little look-see, and it looks really good. And you're like, wow, they're cooking. They're up to something. But you don't really have any real sort of idea of how confident to be in this company. But you invested in them, and you want to know whether you should cut bait. Like, it just doesn't make sense to have an asset and then not have any idea what that asset's worth. And the reason it doesn't make any sense is is because you're the one who went out of your way to acquire that asset. Cam Reddish, Deuce McBride, Obi Toppin playing with RJ Barrett, which never happens, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, these guys, the, the Knicks don't know to a full extent what they have in a lot of the, the, the names I just said. So the way, there's a way to find out, right? And, and the way to find out is to play them. And I definitely think playing them was worth it from the beginning. But you know what's definitely worth it? playing them when the alternative which is the veterans is going poorly and it's going poorly in the same way over and over again like as if nothing's changing because literally nothing is changing why not give something else a shot especially if you're trying to get a sense of 
how good that other alternative even is. It just, it all adds up and makes sense. And that's why it's frustrating to many that that's not what's been happening thus far. But so, okay. So everything that you said makes sense. I don't disagree with any of it. It's clearly the analogy you gave. Like if you have an asset, you want to see if you, if you can't tell how the asset is progressing because the, the company is giving you no information, the stock price would drop and what have you. However, and this is one of my favorite pushbacks to give on Twitter is that when people say this front office is no direction, I say that's bullshit. This front office is a clear direction. I've Just never said that. You, I, no, 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 yeah. you, not you. Twitter, <laughs> Nick's Twitter. Um, and I say it's bullshit. Um, like, they clearly have a direction. Their direction is to acquire a superstar. Now, just because you don't like the direction doesn't mean they do not have one. But they clearly have a direction. Now, the problem is, and I don't see like this on Twitter, is that um, they are using MapQuest instead of Waze because they are using a head coach who is on the older side, who employs a scheme and a way of, a way of, of strategies that are slightly outdated, that are, that are outdated. But all they wanted to do was just be competitive and hope that a star will want to join them. That's what their goal is. That's what the, that's the direction they're going in. So they've all, every decision they made was to win games. What traded for Derrick Rose, the, all the offseason signs, they wanted to win games. So now, do I really believe, and if anyone thinks I'm bugging, or anyone has anything to say, just raise your hand and you can disagree with me, whatever. Do we really believe that Leon Rose has said, all right, I don't care about winning games as much as I do about seeing what I have with these kids, simply because... Last year, everything you said applied last year. And they waited until the absolute last freaking minute before they decided to see more of what those kids look like. So that's why I'm saying, like, I, to, when it comes to this front office, this front office does like to have their cake and eat it, too. They, look, they do like to kick the can down the road. But is this what they are really up to? Like, do they really believe, like, this is the best chance to win games? Or are they saying, you know what, let's just, let's, like, put it to you like this. Let's say they play all the kids and we finish 32 and 50. Will Why Tom do they, Thibodeau have a do they finish 32 and 50 because the team blew double digit leads or, or because the kids played poorly? They, whatever, they finished 32 and 50. Well, I mean, that, I don't think you can't do think, it. That context well, kids, is in well, I don't think kids can, I don't think your kids can play well and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you finish 32 and 50. Like unless it's just like excited, looks like oh, it looks exciting, and then they fight to the end, and then they what if they the, blow what if, what if the game plan is is just making the team lose over and over again, as we saw last season, as we've seen this season against Atlanta, Portland, Dallas, almost Cleveland. Um, I, I think that you know, I, I was just talking uh, about this with with Macri earlier today. Like he was saying how. Yeah, like it matters to trade value that, you know, playing time matters to trade value. But the reason the kids don't have a lot of trade value is because they're just not that good. It's not because they don't play. And he's like, yeah, see, you know, if you have Onyeka Kongwu, he, he doesn't play a lot, but teams would kill for that guy. And I was like, why do we talk about the Knicks like this? Why does everything the Knicks do, like, why is it the end of the world? And then any other team is just in a great spot, you know, just always happens to be in a better spot than us. Like, Who's actually killing for Onyeka Okungu? We know teams are calling about quickly. 
we like we also know that if Anthony Simons was playing 20 minutes a game, no one would be willing to give up two unprotected first for him. Would you give up two unprotected first for Anthony Simons now? Which you, you know, I, I just think that um, the playing time really matters. I think uh, Tim staggers the lineups a lot more when there's a nine man rotation instead of a ten man rotation. I think RJ and Obi have played like 60 minutes together since being drafted or something like super laughable um, for a team with two top 10 picks on the team to have those players never play together is kind of unheard of. Right. So I I just think the front office is kind of like, Hey, listen, we're doing it your way and not seeing our assets. And it hasn't been working for a year and a half. Can we do it our way now? (laughs) Um, that they did this at the end of last season. They said, yeah, listen, we're out of the playoffs. We did it your way. It didn't work. You want to keep playing Nerlens? We don't. It's not going to happen. Play Jericho. Uh, this season, um, I, I don't know that Fournier was one way or the other. I, I know Tibbs was fine very much so with the signing of him. Uh, Clifford, Steve Clifford approved, signed, and stamped. So, you know, that's, uh, that's one thing. Um, but Rose, we know, is a – Tibbs guy by definition. Uh, I think the front office has looked at the lineup data and said, this might give us a better chance to win. And if it doesn't, it's not like we were winning much the other way anyway. So what, what do we lose? You wouldn't give two unprotected first for Anthony Simons. You wouldn't. You said you would. You wouldn't. He's good. I thought you said you would not. No, I would. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I'm saying if he played 20 minutes a game, would you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I uh, yes, that, yes I, don't, because... I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone would if he played 20 minutes a game. Yes, because and, then and, you and, wonder. Because then you'd and, be saying to yourself, "Well, why are you only playing 20 minutes a game?" Yeah, I, okay, I got you. And 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 if you think I'm trying to say that quickly is going to have a Simon's like leap, um, I would say to give a different straw man a shot because I'm, I never said that. I just think the logic applies. Um, so yeah, you know, that's, that's where I'm at with that. Uh, I think Tibbs's coaching performance against Dallas was poor. I think against Cleveland, it was poor, but I think he's also coached decent games this year. I think he's coached good games when he plays his nine man rotation and he staggers the lineups. The team actually looks really good and dynamic. And it looks like a lot of the things that fans want it to be. Um, so I'm actually optimistic about what's going on here. Uh, I think it signifies uh, a, 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 from the front office pretty much, hey, um, uh, how about this? You know that clip that went around this offseason? I forget which coach it was, but it was a coach, and it was like, well, I knew they were going to fire me anyway, so I just didn't listen to them about the rotations because if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down playing my guys. Uh, it, it seems like that's not going to be the case here with Thibodeau, so I appreciate that. Um, it. You know, it, it knows, certainly. This is his last damn job. That's why he knows. He knows it, that. It certainly feels like um, he is still working with the, the front office, even if not in lockstep. And it was friction with the front office that led to his demise in Chicago. But I think if he has a demise in New York City, it will be because the team blow several more leads at home of double digits and just the the common factor ends up being that the guys don't seem to be listening to their coach coming out of the halftime break. Uh, and if that's the case, then, you know, I wouldn't put it past the, the front office and James Dolan to want to make a move. But for right now, with everything going on, um, I think for this season to just keep chugging along, 
see what these guys can do now with this rotation. Let it settle. Don't just look at the first two games and be like, well, that didn't give us a top six net rating in the league. So that experiment failed and it's over. Oh, well, that was fun, everyone. Um, I, I think giving these young guys time is important. I would like to see the team do that. Uh, and I think they will. They've given me no indication that they won't. So uh, as someone who you know has watched a lot of Nick games this season and, and last season and the season before and has seen all of these guys, I, I'm glad that um, the team is going to be willing to do what it takes to see what they've got in their unexplored assets as opposed to continuing to try the same methods that seem to fail. Uh, again and again. So, you know, I, I think that's something that the Nick fan base, you know, certainly seems to be glad about. Um, personally, as someone that just loves basketball and, and to watch fun teams, I think this should energize the Nick team a little bit. So I'm not even, you know, not as a Nick fan, just as a basketball fan. Um, this is good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sports book of Nick's Film School. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, the WNBA, college football, and more. 
Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100, win 100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to start winning. Download, bet, win. It's that simple. So, all right. So I'll put. All right. So since you didn't answer my question, I will. Give, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will. I will. I will. We ask for clarification. So I'm going to give more. I'm going to give more detail. The Knicks finished 36 and the Knicks finished 36 and 46, but they finish in that frisky. New Orleans Pelicans last year, where it's like, oh, they play hard and but they lose and then they win and da da da. And but unfortunately, unlike the Pelicans, thirty six and forty six isn't good enough to get you in the play in, um, or maybe get or maybe gets in the play in. But I'm talk- that's what I'm talking about. Like if it's okay, right? If I get it. Looks at, if every, okay, so there's two ways. There's two tracks about this. Let's say everything looks the same. They get what what because I've said let's say they're a thirty-seven win team or a thirty-six win team, but everything looks the same. Like uneven performances, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, three point defense still stinks, uh, three point shooting still shaky, really good offense. To, well, I think the offense will come back down to earth because I don't think you can be a top fifteen offense and be bottom of the league in threes and for over eighty two games in today's NBA. But that happens. So it just looks the same. It's just different play it's just different players in the role. Is does Tibbs have a job through this season? Uh, yeah, for, the, the season. Yeah, through this season, the season ends at thirty six and forty six. Everything basically looks the same. Does Tibbs have a job? I would think at that point, in the off season, the team would look into um, look into another star deal, see what they can make happen. Um, and if they make a star deal happen, maybe you. I. I. You know what? I, I would say yes. I. I would say that if we're at the end of the season and he's still here, then he will still be here at the start of next season. Um. But if because if they're going to get him a star, then they'd want to see what it how it works with that star. If they don't get him a star. Do they think that he's giving them the best chance to win on a game-to-game basis other than any other replacement-level coach out there or, or more so than Bryant would in the lead role? Uh, you know, we'll see. The season at 36 and 46, but it being a young team, again, can he will likely have the card to play of, well, it wasn't league-approved talent. Like, go get me guys. You know, you got me one guy in Brunson, you know. Get me another guy. Um, I would think that he gets that shot, if not just for the sake of we already got went this far, uh, for the purpose of seeing what Tibbs would be like with the star. Let's at least give him the shot with that star. Um, yeah, I, I just think that would make sense to them for them. Uh, I definitely see that happening. I don't think that. Tibbs' job is like 100% safe through this season um, because I do think that, if, you know, there continues to be losses where it just legitimately looks like the team has no interest in listening to him. Then I think, you know, that would provoke change 
but if we're at the end of the season at 36 and 46 and the team is playing hard, but they're just not good enough, but even when clearly playing hard and, and playing good basketball, they're just clearly not good enough to win more than that, then I would think that he would get afforded that, uh, that start of next season with Bryant still in the associate role with the possibility that if the team, you know, gets guys and underachieves, they would then look to their guy in, in J in uh, coach Bryant. So I cannot see. And again, if anyone has anything to say, or any, um, please uh, request to speak. We'll bring it up to the stage. Um, we don't need to, me and Chris don't need to talk to each other. We can do this on the phone, but we'd love to hear from you. Um, I don't see if they're 36, if they have the same record playing the kids and it looks, you know, that the word look, that gets thrown around next to the optics, if it looks the same, if it's still going up by 15 and losing by 20 and getting destroyed. Well, if that's happening, three, if that's what's happening, he's getting fired. That's what yeah, I was saying. That's, that's what I'm so, so, yeah, okay. So if it looks the same, all right. If it now, if it looks now, you said it, it was a like, gritty. You know, you said it was a gritty Pelicans team where there's a clear direction and whatnot. Yes. I don't think that gets him fired. I think the same kind of losses. Absolutely, that's what. So I feel like okay. So I am, I, I. On one hand, the reason why I ask that question is because. If this team is about winning games, and CT Pittman, I'll see you. We'll bring you up in a second. If this team is about winning games and they lose one more one more game than last year, then how do you bring back the head coach? Um, because what happened? And I say that because that's going against the directive you wanted. But if you fire, but if you fire him, he could turn around and say, "Well, you're firing me because I played these kids. Like you did, I did what you wanted me to do, and we were worse." Oh, we're about the same, which is what I've been telling you, which is why I haven't been playing these kids that many minutes in the first place. That's BS. And then they'll catch and then they'll catch shit. And we do know that this front office, I mean, every front office to a certain extent cares about optics, but that won't that that necessarily won't be good. But that's why I just find it interesting that like if they're going to make this decision that nothing to play the kids more, well, one, what took so long, but two, does this buy Tom Thibodeau more time? And I think, it, I think it just is, it, yeah, it depends on how it goes. Oh man, this team is this team is oh this is amazing. All right, let's bring CT Pittman to the stage. He is connecting. CT Pittman, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you, bro. How you doing, man? Good. What's going good, on? Good. What's up, brothers? Uh, Sean, yeah, it's 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 a rivalry week for me and you. You know that. You know how it goes down. Yes, anyway. it, yes, it is. Um, Steals can go to hell for any, <laughs> yeah. every single day, twice on Sunday. Yeah, so I had a question. I was just listening, and I know uh, Chris was saying that if we end up with the same record and have Tibbs still on the um, team at the end of the season, that he thinks that he'll start the season. But my question, and then I was listening about the um, not having a star player or getting a star player and see how he plays with Tibbs, but what star player would want to come and play for Tibbs? That's my question. I mean, they know. I mean, it's, it's known around the league that he runs guys in the ground. Look at all the minutes that he gives Julius, even with his antics. I mean, we all seen the dribble between the legs, turnovers, the last uh, couple of games and stuff. So I'm just wondering, 
what star would want to play for him. So still, why would you still keep him as a coach if you're Leon Rose and you're looking at, you know, different ideologies on why I know y'all joined at the hip or whatever, but I'm just saying what star would want to come play for him? Yeah, I, I get that. I think it's a matter of, you know, trading for that star. Um, that star not necessarily having a say as to what team they go to, like to, to a, a free agent's extent. Uh, and if things don't go well, Thibodeau finally has his star and things aren't going well, I would fully expect him to get fired as a result. Um, I would also think that that would certainly result in the promotion of Bryant and an eventual potential head coach search where, uh, you know, the, the, that star player would be given input as to what exactly is going to go down. Um, I, I just think that they're not, you know, I, I know join at the hip is a, a good way to put it, but I don't think they're married to the coach long-term if they don't think it's what's best for them. I just also think they're not going to move on from him until they have an option that they think will genuinely be better. And if, you know, they want Tibbs to do things like take Rose out of the rotation and play Deuce and he agrees to do it, uh, then I don't, you know, I don't see the imminent need to move on from him before you see how it goes with this newer rotation, like give it four or five games before you even start talking about that again. Those four or five games go terribly. The team looks unmotivated. They look like they're not receiving messages. Um, then don't even run into that problem with Thibodeau. Just move on from him before that star even comes to town, right? Uh, but I think, you know, they want, they are going to do their best to not force themselves into a, a ticking clock. Um, I think if they fire Thibodeau this second and then don't get a star this offseason – then it's going to be like, oh, well, what was the point of that? Um, when they can just avoid that by just, you know, playing things cool until they have their kind of really established move set up in front of them. Uh, I know that doesn't necessarily thrill people. Um, I also just think that that's just how this front office is always going to operate. Um, it's going to be in stealth mode. It's going to be in crawl mode. Um mm-hmm until the time comes to flip the switch. And that time will come when they get the star. And once they get that star, I've been, sorry, I've been saying this for a while, they are going to get really aggressive um, with surrounding that star with talent and with upgrading their roster. Uh, I would just also think that before that time comes, like, for example, right now, um, over these next five games now with Tibbs having, a you know, the new rotation, um and it not necessarily being his initiative or prerogative to make the rotation this way from, from everything I've heard, I would think that he would just get time to, to see what, you know, what does the team look like now uh, with this rotation set, let it settle in, see how it does. If it's a lot of the same um, or if the team looks better and then still, you know, is like finding ways to lose games, then it's clear that maybe, that might not be on the players, but I, I also think they're going to give that a shot before they determine that or, or come to a conclusion like that. So I will say, <clears throat> I actually do think that um, even though they may trade, no, they, they will, if they trade, if they acquire Star, it will most likely be trade. Um, I don't 
I do think it's possible that a head that a player because it's it'll probably be a player who acts out, and that player may pull some strings from through his camp to say either like, if you trade for me and you don't get rid of that guy, I'm not going to re up. I'm not going to stay long term, or don't trade, don't bother trading for me. That is like that can that can happen. Um, do I think that will absolutely 100% happen? No. I think that if a player is traded, uh, if, if we do acquire a star player, that that player will go along with the head coach, if he's the head coach. But then, well, I'll, I'll put it like this. Once we once the, once the Knicks acquire a star, the clock is ticking on time because that player will have – I'm not going to say he'll have carte blanche, but he will have – he will basically have the run of the place because he will be the star that was promised and we can't, and we can't afford to piss him off. So let's say that player is, all right, I'll, I'll say for shits and giggles, um, Joel Embiid. And I say this because we're discussing that, um, who, uh, Chris and his show this morning mentioned the possibility of like, well, if it goes belly up this season in Philly, because they're playing four and five with PJ Tucker, that Embiid may say, I want out. And we know Embiid's, uh, Embiid is signed to CAA. So that will be the full court press. Now, I will – listen, I don't think they should make the Donovan Mitchell trade because I, think, I think they would have given, given away too much. I will give them everything for Joel Embiid. You can have all the picks. You can have all the swaps. Because that's just how I feel. That's how I feel about Joel Embiid. That dude is like – that dude should have won an MVP by now, but analytics. And, and he's a two-time runner-up. Once that star comes, the clock is ticking because once I think Joel Embiid is going to be like, and I'm I'm mad I'm speaking about this like this actually exists, that and, and, and it's not going to, knock on wood. But Joel Embiid's like, you wait, you think I'm going to run people from the off the three? Wait, what? Wait, what do you want me to do? No, 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 no. So I do think that there, Thibodeau's Thibodeau's job status with here will have some effect on the next star player who tries to force their way to New York. How much of an effect? I'm not sure, but I think we'll have some. But I also, do all, I also know this. I know Leon Rose is fiercely loyal to Tom Thibodeau. Those are the reports came out today. That's why he does a job. I'm not going to understand that. If I had a, listen, I had a friend once who I hired for a job, and he was objectively awful. But I couldn't fire him because he was my friend. And my boss had to come in and say, like, Sean, it's not working with this guy. You got to let him go. You got to let him go now. At that point, I wasn't gonna fuck. I wasn't gonna lay play on the tracks for him. So I let him go. Let I let him go. If it comes down to keeping Leon, keep if it comes down to Leon keeping Tom Thibodeau or getting a star, Leon is taking the star because Leon cannot pat cannot afford to pass up on another star. So I hope I answered your question, CT, in a round roundabout way. Yeah, you you did. I mean, yeah, in a roundabout way, you did. <laughs> And uh, after Ravens. <laughs> and after Steelers. Thank you very much. Um, all right. We have about seven to ten minutes before I got to go be a father and pick up my kid from his after school program. Um, <clears throat> anyone else, if anyone else has anything they want to say and contribute, um, please let us know. Um, I, I actually can make a joke right here, but I'm not going to. Actually, I'm going to make a joke anyway. Who cares? Um, I see Rick Holtzman. Um, I see Benji in the crowd. Um, Benji, shout out to you. Um, uh, a certain subsection of Nick's Twitter 
went after Benji for calling Cam Reddish a role player. And clearly, they didn't read the whole thing. They didn't. They just saw the headline. Um, but it looks like Benji <laughs> was being nice because <laughs> Cam isn't even a role player. <laughs> Benji, you've been vindicated somewhat. Um we're going to bring Brian to the stage. Brian is connecting. Brian, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? What's going on? Yo? Yes, what's going yes, on? Sir. So, I, I, I can't see how Tibbs is going to be, like, look bad upon for stars to come here because, I mean, he's loyal to these stars. There's three stars on this team, and those guys – Never ask a question whether they're going to be in the lineup, how many minutes they're going to get. You know, Randall loves them. You know, um, RJ, he's got to be, or RJ has to be on, you know, most most coaches might have been starting or cut his minutes. Not happening. And you never hear Brunson say anything bad about Tibbs. So that, I'm, I, I don't think, I think it's fine. I, I'm the problem. I don't think that that would be the reason they let Tibbs go because he doesn't get along with the star. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now that one of those three players you just named has been out on Tom Thibodeau and has wanted him fired since last season. So uh, I, I completely disagree, and, and the locker room does too. Well, I don't know. But I really? can't say. We, we should unpack that. But go, go ahead, Brian. Um, the other thing I would say is I, I don't get the cam thing. I mean, if you look at the tape, he, he completely quit on the team. Wasn't playing defense. And this guy was before – if it failed with the Knicks, he was out of the league. Like, it's very – I find his attitude, I find his behavior really weird. Um, I think pulling the plug on him a little bit now is a smart idea while his stock is somewhat high and he showed somewhat – some steps and some other team can kind of take on that project and get some kind of better asset for him. I think that's – I think it's a smart move. Be careful, Brian. The camp high is going to come find you, and they're going to blow up your mentions. It's okay. Not my full name on there. You can all come after me. <laughs> no problem. About no, that's actually uh, an interesting point about them not playing him not anymore actually may help his trade value because it, because it's been so tantalizing. And people, you've seen, you see just enough to convince yourself, hey, maybe we got something here. So that's actually a good call out. Chris? I think he was really good on defense when he played. I thought uh, his offense started coming from within the flow of the offense as opposed to being forced out of isolation, taking poor shots. We know that last season he was in Atlanta. He was shooting 30% on pull-up mid-range jumpers, and that was taking up uh, the same percentage, 30% of a shot diet. And he totally eradicated that here in New York. You can credit Tibbs, if you'd like, for instilling that structure and whatnot and, and him adhering to it, but uh, in that that Dallas game, um, that was bad. So, you know, I, I think uh, I, I think it's weird to see what you saw from him and then stop playing him completely. Uh, but I I I completely believe that he is a role player. That's his his cast, his calling. Um, if he's going to ever be a, a contributing member of a contending team. I would think it would be as a as a good player off the bench. I, you know, I, I don't see him as a long term starter. I actually, you know, maybe if the team has a really star guard and a star big man and a star wing like that Suns build, that classic you know one 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 build, 
and they just want that perimeter defense out there, want Cam's length and athleticism to help them out in that regard, uh, then sure, I get it. But, uh, you know, he's not going to be in a feature offensive role. He'll be in the Grimes role of, of being, in there, being in the corner. So, you know, for Cam, I, I think it's odd. Um, and I, I honestly think that I would probably go with him over Deuce for a nine-man rotation if I had to play game seven of the finals today and I were coaching the New York Knicks, I would probably play Reddish over McBride if I had to only play one. But I would also just play both. Um, so, yeah, you know, the nine-man rotation is is one thing, I guess. Um, but I'm, I'm not a – I don't know. I would just go with 10. I don't see a problem with 10. Uh, apparently there is one. So that's that for that. But – I, I still am not upset that Cam's not playing. Um, I think – or I'd rather – if I were the Nick fan base, I wouldn't be upset that Cam's not playing because you're you're getting McBride in, and that's what the Nick fans have been clamoring for, to, to have more young players play. A lot of bloggers and a lot of Nick fans this past offseason said they wanted Derrick Rose out of the rotation in favor of a Cam Reddish uh, or even some a Deuce McBride. Now you're getting that. So, you know, I think to say, hey, play around young players. Wait, the ones I like, not the ones other people like, is a little unfair. Uh, I, I think if I were, an, uh, you know, if, if I were a Nick fan, I would be happy with this uh, decision. And, and Cam's going to play again because I just don't think Brunson is just going to be healthy the whole season. And I think Brunson's going to have to have some days off. They have to have something where he doesn't seem like he's just too reckless on the, not reckless, I don't know a better term, but he's too reckless for, like, not to get banged up and be out a couple of days. I think he'll get back in if they don't trade him, but I think sitting him now is a smart play. No, I get that for sure. I totally get what you you mean. Um, if If you are of the belief that he's not interested in doing what it takes to to win, then yeah, then you know, not playing him and having him be a zero would be better than a negative. So that would add up. Um, I'm not sure to what extent uh, I want to criticize Nick Young players for showing those traits. Um, And they do deserve criticism. But if you are someone like Emmanuel Quickly or Obi Toppin uh, or Cam Reddish, and no matter how well you play, you seem to be shoehorned into a very menial rotation role, uh, it kind of feels like Tibbs just wants everything to be 2020 again. He just wants quickly to be happy in his small little bench role. He just wants uh, Julius to to you know keep keep uh, trudging the team through. And, and now Jalen is that guy for the team. Uh, so that's that's who's doing it now. Uh, I just think you know things change in the NBA, and you you can't be afraid to adapt to change. Uh, I think playing Cam Reddish fits that. Um, so you know if you are a young player. And you're not getting rewarded no matter what happens. I can understand the frustration. I just think you kind of have to show it the way Obi and IQ have, which is to not show it at all on the court and to always give your all and to play tough. So, and the problem uh, is Cam doesn't, Cam doesn't have the art. Isn't Obi, Obi and IQ and the other players, he has kind of a bad track record. He came from Atlanta where, you know, he had plenty of opportunity to show up there. He has a baggage. And I think that's kind of puts him in a unique situation where he's going to get way more stick than carrot from Tibbs and the organization where to be honest he, when we gave him the stick he, he showed that's kind of 
the only thing that corrected his behavior. I get it. I get it's, it. Uh, it's tough. And, and if Tibbs is going to go with the nine man um, and that's, you know, what, what's happening, then sure. Uh, because he staggers way better when he plays a nine man. He doesn't feel this weird, a sticky obligation to hockey subs and going five on five off. Uh, he actually staggers the starters. Um, I think we've both seen uh, Sean and I, and, and we've talked about it um, that, you know, that RJ and Julius seem to be at their best when on the court without the other, uh, when it's Brunson and one of them or quickly and one of them with Toppin. Um, I just think that, they could be playing a 10-man rotation. I'm not going to be upset about the nine-man rotation or who's in it if I'm a Nick fan because it's one player over 26. That's a that's a youth movement. That's what Leon Rose said the team was going to do. Um, he said the team was going to pivot towards the youth. He named a couple players. Those two guys are still on the team. Uh, I don't know how long Mitchell Robinson will be, but they extended him, um, and he's still on the He'll team be gone. right now. So, He'll be gone. Yeah, but not he isn't yet. So no, he's not yet. I, I do want to get to Mess because I know we got to wrap up. And yeah, I, for I sure. Waiting, um, Mess. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, thanks for your thanks for your uh, comments. Much appreciated. Um, Mess, uh, the floor is yours. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so you know, as a longtime Knicks fan, um, watching this team, <sighs> this conversation is just stupid in my opinion because. They literally got rid of every single player that the fan base was clamoring for them to get rid of this summer, right? They're, and what was left is the kids, right? So you have – and Derrick Rose, right? Of course, Randall's still there because that's what – you know, he's not going and RJ's still there. But you have all of the guys that, that everyone begged for them to play all year last year, play, right? And now these guys are getting minutes. And now it's like, well, you should play them more. But they're getting they've been getting minutes incrementally and the team is still a five hundred team. Right? Like and no point like and it's so it's like, okay, you these guys are getting the minutes, right? These guys are playing now and they're not producing. So what do you do? You know, do you keep saying, Oh, well, we're just gonna keep playing them because, you know, we gotta keep playing the kids? Or do we finally realize, like, okay, well, maybe these guys aren't as good as we thought they were. Well, and who is maybe, it that's not producing? I'm looking at it as a whole because when I look at this, like, when I look at the, the – actually, when I look at the second team, I feel like the second team off the, off the bench is, is struggling mightily. And that's in comparison to the two years that we've seen them playing together before. Right? I agree. Like, I think their like, two worst players on the bench line of this season have really easily been Derrick Rose and Isaiah Hartenstein. That's two so, veterans. So, so then why why is that an indictment or a referendum on the young players? That's your opinion. I was still talking, giving you my opinion. So when I look at this, I look at the second team, right, and I look at quickly and I look at top end, I don't really see – and, yes, like Hartenstein comes off the bench, gets in foul too many times. Derrick Rose hasn't really played as many minutes as – as he has as in the past. And is he still trying to get back into into shape? I don't know. But the point is, you got Grimes coming in. You got Sims playing minutes. You know, you've got the quote-unquote kids playing, right? Like, they are playing. Like, if they were really playing really well, then Rose should not even get any minutes, right? Like, Hartenstein should not get any minutes out, right? 
it should be all right. Jericho Sims should be able to take that role, or Obi Toppin should be able to take that role from Hardenstock. That's what the fan base has and been advocating for for years. But the, the fact, issue but the, the fan base has point. is that no matter what the veterans show in a negative regard, the young players are never afforded that shot. Uh, I think I, Jericho Sims has been a, a positive player. I know it's my opinion, but the data shows it too. You know, he's been a positive player this season. Um, I don't know how to blame Nick's losses on Jericho Sims, you know? I'm not saying – what I'm saying is this. When I look at the team as a whole, when we go through all of the different narratives of why this team isn't a good team, you've got A, fire Tibbs because X, Y, Z. You've got play the, play the young guys because they deserve a shot and that's what we should do. Right, I'm just saying this. It doesn't hasn't shaken out for me, right? Like I think I definitely think at this point Tibbs. I think and I feel like at this point Tibbs is the is the reason. And and you know Sean and I Sean, you know last year last summer everyone kept saying like yo we should get rid of Tibbs and I said what I said let's see how this team starts right because now you've got a point guard you've gotten Burns and you've got what he what he's been wanting right let's see with Brunson, with Randall not playing a lesser diminished role as far as offensively, some of the lows taken off his shoulders, is this, it, and is Tibbs going to play the young guy, right? If that's the case and the team still hasn't gotten any better, then what do you do, right? And so at this point, like, I feel like it's a combination of, you know, like the, those those players, the 9-10 the, the player rotation is not going to work because that's not how NBA works. Like you can't play ten guys. It's just not. It's just not going to work. Like you, if you look at most teams, they play eight guys, eight, eight, eight and a half, nine at the most, and then come playoff time, that gets even shrunken down to seven to eight, right? And so, with Tibbs looking at it like, well, I got to play all these guys because this is the mandate. How does he get comfortable with that, right? And then how do the players get comfortable? Because, again, players are very much creatures of habit. And if they're not playing the same if – it's, if it's constantly shaking or moving around for them, they're not going to perform as well as they can. So I feel like it's a combination of, of, of a few things. I don't – I'm just not – I'm just not sold on, like, yo, like, we should um, – like, we should – I feel like this, these players – I feel like these – the younger players have to step up and make it to the point where it's impossible for Tibbs to say, all right, you know, I can't, you know, we can't play. I can't play these guys anymore. I have to play them, right? And I and I feel like that is when you're on the court, like you're absolutely producing well above and beyond. Like you're not letting people get career highs on you. You're not letting people, like you're, you're running out on defense. You're not letting that guy's team shoot, hit like 18, 19 threes on you. You're not, you're coming into the game and you're not giving up leads. And so like that also, all of that translates into the victory of, uh, into a win. And I don't see that enough. I don't see them like with that urgency of like, yo, I'm in the game. Let me bust some, let me bust my ass so that I can be back in the game again. There's no reason why Brad McBride and Sims have to go play in, the, the, in Westchester because they're playing, if they were playing well on, the, the big squad, they wouldn't have to go play on the G League team. And that, and, and you can say like, yo, oh, it's it's Tibbs need to play the kids. Nah, when they're in the game, they gotta play the fucking best they can play. Like, and again, it goes back to it's uh, this game, this this league, it's about wins and losses. It's about production. And if you're not producing, and if you're not putting your, you're not 
and I look, I look across the league. I look at other teams. I look at all the all the players. And I see kids coming in and getting career highs, getting numbers. And our, and I look at our stats, and it's abysmal. Like you, you have to produce. So we can want the kids to come in. We can say, yo, like yeah, y'all got to do something. But if they're not producing, it's hard to to you know have that argument. And I'll land my plane there. Sean. Yes, I'm here. I was having connection issues. Can you hear me? Can you? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I was having I was having connection issues. Uh, so I literally did not hear the last two minutes or anything because I had connection issues. Yo, I just basically said, if they, I said, when you look at this team play, if they were if they played better, they would have a better outcome as far as wins and losses. They would have better outcomes as far as the stats. And we wouldn't be, and they would be able to justify getting minutes. They wouldn't be getting sent down to the G League to get to to get time and play. That's what I'm saying, and that's why I said like so. Constantly talking about like play the kids, like they're getting minutes, and it's not translating over to wins and losses right now. So what I would say is, hold on, let some feedback. Hold on, you're acting. You got to mute for sure. Um, basically, I, I'll pop in. Um, I think that the the debate, though, is that when the alternative is veterans losing games, if you're going to lose games, you should at least do it productively. So that would be giving your young players experience on the court. Um, you know, the Deuce McBride rotation change has now spent one game being a thing, and it seems you've already determined that, you know, it's not good um, and that, you know, playing the kids is, is overrated. Like, I think these are things that you need to let settle. Um, you know, another point you, so, wasn't, so wasn't that something that happened last year? Wasn't that something they were doing last year? Like that's not it's not a first time thing that they've been shoveling back and forth. And that's my point. Like if you're at the if you 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 had an opportunity to start on the big level on the big league, and if you ain't able to produce to the point where they they feel comfortable, like yo, all right, we can just keep him on the bench, and we know we're gonna get him minutes playing because we know we're gonna use him. Then you wouldn't need to rotate them back down to the to the G League, and that's my point. Well, there's there's one way to so, find out if those players are good enough or not, and it's so, to, it's to play them. You know, so here's, I think you look. No, go ahead, Chris. Look, go ahead. Chris. Um, I, I was going to say, you know, another point that was made was, oh, we can't expect Tibbs to win with a ten man rotation when every team runs an eight man rotation, or you know, like how can he coach like this? I just looked at every single game that was played yesterday. One team played an eight man rotation, and it was Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors. Nurse like has a reputation around the league for being insane and running short rotations. Every single other team that played just, just last night, small sample size, every single team that played besides one ran a nine or 10 man rotation. So this notion that, you know, Tibbs is some coaching alien and and a victim for being forced to run a nine or 10 man rotation. I, I just, that's not an excuse. If you're an NBA head coach, you should be able to optimize the talent that's on your team. Um, for the front office to have to nudge him twice to stop playing bad players and to instead play young players that might be bad, might get better, might not, but at least you're finding something productive out as opposed to um, running a known quantity into the ground. I think that is a concern for me uh, in regards to, you know, the, the coach and the team not being in lockstep, uh, but also organizations aren't monoliths and they are going to disagree. And the fact that, they have sorted these things out, playing Sims last season, playing McBride this season. Um, 
that's exactly the point. That's the, the, the point is to get the young players on the floor to evaluate your assets, see what you have. If you're playing veterans and losing over and over again in the same embarrassing fashion, uh, then what do you have to lose by trying out the young players? You know, so um, for Deuce to play one game and to say uh, he's not producing, I, I would give him a little more time. I, I would think that, you know, if, if we've seen Nick Young players from quickly to top in. These guys play weirdly and they play like they like they play like something's off they don't look right when we know that they're playing for their job when we know that if they mess up they're getting subbed out uh and they won't see the court again that night um i would be interested to see how deuce now with a little bit of security behind his minutes feels out there i would think that things should settle in a little bit i'm at least willing to give it a shot and the reason i'm so willing to give it a shot is not just because i'm blindly parroting to play the kids it's because we've seen the alternative it's not good, and it's getting worse. So I would like to try something different um, as opposed to trying the same thing over and over again because we think the alternative might be worse. Uh, let's find out. You know, Let's find out if it's worse or not, especially if we get to find something productive out about the players that the Knicks have on their team. How much should the Knicks value those players? Well, I know how to find out. It's to play them. So I will yeah. say, so I will say this. Um, so, Mess, you are right in the sense that there is a section of the fan base that tends to act like if we played all the kids um, 25, 30 minutes a game, then this team would be like this 48, 49, 50-win juggernaut that's just like waiting to be unleashed. And I think we all agree that that's not the case. So, two things can be true. That can be true, and the, wrong, and the other thing that can be true is that to Chris's point, if we're losing we're not winning kids or want to try the kids and see what to your point now. It's like, all right, now you guys having trouble with Sean's sound yeah, too? Mike Mike check, Sean. Hey Sean, you're, you're, better, coming, you're coming in like a robot, boss. I thought it was just me, but oh, I, I don't think it is. All right, Sean, um, I can't mute you. Go ahead and mute yourself if you can hear me. Uh, I'm going to pivot to I-95 Bully here, who has been waiting patiently, is a avid supporter of Study Hall. Um, Mess, thank you for coming up. Thank you for giving your takes and, and letting us uh, you know, respond and doing some back and forth with us. Appreciate that from you. Uh, a lot, actually. So that you know, thanks for coming up here and, and you know, giving us your takes. I-95 Bully. I'm going to go to you again, Sean, if you can hear me, uh, leave or mute yourself or give something a shot. That's not what you're doing now. Uh, sorry, that sounded mean. I didn't mean to fry right there. But I-95 Bully, what's going on, man? Haven't talked to you, you know, in a minute because we haven't done the show in a minute. How, I how know, you been doing? Man. Uh, I'm, I'm good, brother. And um, I like to call myself the lead pupil of study hall. But um, Love that. You, <laughs> yeah, you, you always bring us our apples, man. If you want to go along with that pun, you always got our apples, so. Uh, teacher's favorite. How about that? How you doing? <laughs> Yo, about the, the Tibbs and the kids thing, I think um, a little bit of nuance is, is missing. Like, going into the offseason from last year, going into the summer, you know, everybody had certain things that they wanted the kids to improve upon. At least Tibbs did, whether it be Obi being more versatile offensively, shooting the ball, 
His uh, rebounding is re- something I can tell you that, that Tibbs wants him to improve on too. Right. His his rebounding, you got Cam being more of a consistent player on both ends of the of the court. You look at it quickly, he wants you to get to the rim, put on some some muscle. So each and every one of these kids has done something that Tibbs has wanted them to do, or at least the fans have wanted them to do. And at the end of the day, like what's what's the reward? I mean, we look at Cam where he did have like a weak stretch of really, really good basketball where he was looking as the, the best young player on the team. He went into a rough patch. What happens? Out the rotation. You look at this him. is what I was saying earlier. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to excuse Cam's game the other day against Dallas. I will say that I can understand frustration from him. I just think he's got to show it the way IQ and Obi have, which is by dealing with it really well. I totally agree with you, man. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.